Please bow your heads for the prayer of illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today's reading comes from the New Testament, Acts chapter 7, verses 55 through 60. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The words of God for the people. Our lectionary lesson for today seems to just kind of catch us like in this weird place of, wait, what, had it, what just happened? <laughs> right? And so many times, those of us who know the story of Stephen, we just take it. Okay, so Stephen did some things. He stood up for Jesus, and he, you know, he was stoned for it. Um, and we just take it, and that's the story we tell, and we stick with that story, and, and that's where we start. And, and, and I believe... It's actually, as we see, and, and we, we engage the lectionary passages during this Easter season, and, and, and we see where they chose to start the story, I think it's pretty good storytelling, to be honest. You know, if you read a book, a novel, or whatever, you're watching a television show or a movie, you see, you see sometimes they'll show you the end or the climax First, so that you're kind of held in that tension of, wait, how did we get here? And then they go back and they tell the backstory. So, at least that's the story I'm choosing to tell myself as it relates to, to lecture, because there's so much more going on with this story today. And so I want us to use our theological imaginations, and I want to place ourselves in the story like we did a couple weeks ago, place ourselves in the story, be the invisible witness to see what happened. Here we are in the middle of this story already in progress. These religious leaders in their garb and their, they grab Stephen and they throw them to the ground. They're so angry. That's the first thing we see. They are so livid that they grab them and they shove them and they throw them on the ground. And all these religious leaders are looking down at them. And Stephen's like doing this number, trying to cover, cowering, not knowing what's going to happen next. Can you see that in your mind's eye? Suddenly, 
His eyes are open. He looks up. He looks up and he sees something. Something catches his eye. The skies open up. And he looks up and he sees the throne room of heaven. And he says, wow. Wow. I see God and I see Jesus standing right next to God at the, at the right hand. There he is. And people are taken aback. They're like, what is he seeing? What is he saying? And there's maybe some silence. And then somebody breaks the silence. Heresy! Can you see it? And somebody else says, let's stone him. And so they grabbed him by the, by the ear and they took him out to the outskirts of the town because, you know, you don't stone people inside town. That was against the rules. And they started to pick up rocks. And they started to take their coats off because they wanted to get a good... And they threw him, their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And before Easter's over, we're going to be introduced to Saul. That's another story. But remember his name. And Saul was witness, along with other people, to the stoning of Stephen. And Stephen did several things. He asked for, for their forgiveness. I know if somebody says something bad to me, I'm like, doggone it, I wish, I get all upset. But here's Stephen, he's being, he knows he's going to die. And he asks God for forgiveness for them. He commits his soul to God because he knows where he's going. And he's welcomed in the arms of Jesus. Who is standing at the right hand of God the Father. So what happened? How did we get here? What on earth did Stephen do to create such a hullabaloo? Imagine, like you're watching a TV show or a movie or whatever. You know, sometimes when you, you start out with the climax of the, of the movie or the story, there's a slide that pops up, right? Earlier that day or six months later or a month later. Or, the Bible's really not clear how long ago this happened before this story. But imagine a slide popping up. Put your own date in there. Use your creativity, your, your uh, theological imagination, that slide popping up six months later or six months earlier. We see the apostles, the 12. They had received word from somebody who had said, hey, um... We noticed, you know, we're really happy that we're, you're, you're spreading good news about Jesus and all this other stuff, but um, the widows and the orphans, you're not taking care of them. We're not, we're not seeing you in the food pantry, um, Peter. Uh, this is a little bit of a problem. And uh, 
and the orphans are being neglected. They don't have shoes. Um, we're trying to do the very best we can. We just, we need your help. And so the 12 called a special session meeting, special called meeting, because they're like, yeah, you know, they, they, they make a good point. And they're sitting there around this table, and they're talking, and they're saying, well, you know, we are so busy spreading the good news about Jesus that, um, yeah, we've been, we've been neglecting the widows and the orphans. And so they bantered about ideas, and finally it was decided, finally it was decided that they would pick some guys with their primary goal of serving the underprivileged, the widows and the orphans. And they named them Philip, Stephen, Stephen. The Bible says Stephen was a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Procorus, Nicanor, Nicanor, I don't know, I'm trying, Timon, Parameus, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These men stood before the disciples, and the disciples laid hands on these men, and they ordained them as the first deacons. I find it interesting that we don't hear these names again except for Stephen ever in the Bible after this point. Oh, we hear about Stephen, which means he was doing something different. He took his call and he understood it to mean something far more than what he could ever imagine or think. He took it seriously. And the Bible says that Stephen, being filled with grace and power, did wondrous things among the people. But then the Bible doesn't really go into details what those wondrous things Stephen was doing. And as we move through Easter season, and, and we start to go into... Uh, um, Pentecost, as we start to move into Pentecost, we're going to start moving into this understanding of what revival looks like, of what the work of the Holy Spirit looks like. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't always work with a flash and a bang. I believe that the wondrous works that God wants to do through us is sometimes as simple as sharing a toy, like I was talking to the kids, being nice to people. Yeah, Stephen was still a deacon. He was ordained to take care of people, you know, the widows and the orphans. And I'm sure he did it well. And yet, he also saw his call, his ordination to be that and so much more. So what are these wondrous signs that Stephen did among the people? The Bible doesn't say. Maybe Stephen was a teacher. Maybe he sat with the kids and he told them stories about Jesus as the mothers were going through the line to get their canned goods and their clothes and the things that they needed to provide for their kids. 
Maybe Stephen had the gift of prayer. Maybe he would pray for the underprivileged that came through the line. Lifting their burdens to the souls, uh, to lifting their burdens to the very feet of Jesus. Maybe Stephen sat and listened to the stories of the ones he was serving and worked with them to help them discover how Jesus was walking with them the entire time, even through the difficult. Hear me when I say this, church. These aren't big things. These are the little extra things. And I don't know exactly what Stephen was doing, but apparently he got, got the attention of the leaders of the church, the religious leaders of the synagogue. And not in a good way. Behind the scenes, they felt that Stephen was so dangerous that they were plotting and finding ways to get Stephen arrested and convicted and put to death. They were already working behind the scenes. They needed to have enough evidence for the conviction to stick. The Bible does say, and I thought this was kind of humorous, that there were scholars from a nearby synagogue who tried to engage him in theological discussions, and they were put to shame. Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, put them to shame, could out Theology, these, I just made a new word, could, could, could talk circles around them, could, could preach to them in a way that they could not have an argument. He outwitted them every single time. Finally, the day came. Stephen was carried away. And there were people who were making false accusations against this man of God. Scripture tells us that all who sat in the council looked intently at Stephen and they saw what on his face, what they saw on his face was like that of an angel. He was glowing. That's not a red flag for them? I don't know. They never saw it, maybe. Or they didn't connect the dots. I don't know. So after all these false accusations, it was time for Stephen to put up his case. He didn't need counsel. He didn't need attorneys. He probably knew that he was going to die. He was ready to go. His goal, his primary purpose was to glorify Jesus. To make sure that there was no misunderstanding about the love that Jesus had for all. And you don't need attorneys for that. And so Stephen starts telling stories to everyone in the room. Stories that everyone knew. They were taught these stories from when they were little. He told the story of his people, the Jewish people. 
He told the story of Abraham and how God told him to leave for a country that God would reveal to him later. How strange is that? And Abraham obeyed. Stephen told about the son that was promised in their old age. Stephen told the story of a God who made covenant with God's people and told the origins of how that covenant was demonstrated through circumcision of the men. Basically, Stephen told the story of his people, of the Jewish people, a story they all knew so well. Stephen told the story of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers into a land of Egypt. He told how Joseph rose to prominence in the land and how God's people came to dwell in Egypt through his family, through forgiveness, through love. Stephen told the story of Moses and how he was born to save God's people from Egypt after they had been turned into slaves. He told about how God's people were crying out for salvation and how God called Moses to let my people go. Stephen told about the tabernacle tent in the wilderness in which God chose to dwell with God's people as God's people pilgrimaged to the promised land through the wilderness. Stephen talked about Solomon's temple, the most beautiful temple they'd ever seen in their lives, and yet it was no longer in existence. And that's where the narrative starts to change. The script changes, and Stephen says, because of your unfaithfulness, because you chose to be disobedient to God and worship other gods, Solomon's temple was destroyed, and we were taken to be slaves in Babylon. And then... Stephen hit his sermon out of the park and drove a home run. He made his point and he made it well. Acts 7.51. And by the way, you'll never hear me say this from this pulpit. I think it's funny though. You stiff-necked people. <laughs> you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and in ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold the forecoming of the religious one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You are the ones that received the law as outlined by the angels, and yet you have not kept it. Now we start, we, we're caught up to where the story starts. Now we know why the religious leaders were so upset. It's what got him killed. But I want to draw your attention to something. 
something that really just jumped out at me as I was studying for this sermon. And every time I read the story, it still jumps out at me. Because there's something really beautiful and terrifying and scary and wonderful that happened all at the same time. I'm going to ask you a question. Where is Jesus right now? What's Jesus' position in heaven? It's in our Apostles' Creed. It's not a trick question. What is he doing? Sitting at the right hand of God. See, that's not a trick question. I'm not trying to trick anybody up. That's the Apostles' Creed. Every instance I see in the Bible of where Jesus is in the New Testament, he's sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on about half. And yet, what did Stephen see? Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. Jesus was saying, you, Stephen, I want you to see this. I'm pulling back the curtains of heaven. You took a stand for me. I'm taking a stand for you. I'm not taking this sitting down. Jesus rose to his feet, pulled back the curtains, and Stephen saw it. And Stephen knew where he was going. <sighs> Such a beautiful image. And so, Stephen was welcome into heaven and the open and loving arms of Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, that we could see the heavens roll back and see Jesus. If only we could see, because I think Jesus wants us to see that Jesus is standing for us. When we take a stand for Jesus, Jesus stands for us. Jesus loves us. Jesus is proud of us. When we serve God and Jesus, when we serve the kingdom of God, Jesus is cheering us on. He is standing at the right hand of the Father. I think about this love that Jesus has for us. As I stand before this table, I think about how proud Jesus is when we serve In the small ways, in the seemingly small ways, it doesn't have to be these big ways of being an evangelist or being a preacher, playing the piano beautifully, singing. It, it can be simple, small, but meaningful. And as I look at these wafers, they're small. There's not much to them. Not much to this, but yet... Through the mystery, through the great mystery of God, Jesus is here with us today. 